Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. Hello and welcome to The Business of Marketing brought to you by Adweek and SAP. The Business of Marketing is where you get to hear from the C-suite on what it takes for the CMO to expand their credibility and influence while driving growth collaboratively with their C-suite partners. So for anyone who is a CMO or an aspiring CMO, this is a good time to grab a pen and some paper because we are going to dive deep into the intersectionality of marketing, finance, IT, operations, HR, and so much more. We hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Hello and welcome to the Business of Marketing. I am Didi Dietz. I am the Chief Community Officer of Adweek, and I'm excited to bring you this episode of the Business of Marketing, where I get to have the privilege and honor to chat with Nuno Tellis, who is the president of Diageo Beer Company USA. He's also the former CMO of the Heineken Company, and also Kevin Hockman, who is the U.S. President of KFC and Pizza Hut at Yum Brands and was the former CMO of KFC US. So two presidents, both former CMOs, welcome Nuno and Kevin. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. 
I'm a big awesome. fan. I'm a big fan of your other podcast. So I appreciate you having me on today. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I'm happy to hear that. I really struggled with the intro, not saying welcome to CMO Moves, but I'm glad we're here at Business of Marketing. So this is fun. And I'm just delighted that I get to have you both with me today to talk about your experiences, both as a CMO, but now as a president and what you're responsible for now in your, your new roles, which are not so new. You've both been in those roles for a while, but new in the sense that you were on this path, achieved the role of CMO, and then now have moved into the president role. So why don't we start there? Let's start with you, Nuno. Tell us about your current role, what you're responsible for, and what has you excited? Yeah, thank you, Nadine. I'm a, I'm a big fan of you overall, uh, all podcasts, and, and I think you are spot on in bringing this topic because in every single career conversation that I have with my team, there's always this topic about how can I prepare myself to be either a president or a general manager, director, executive, or to be specialized, right, in media or many other areas. So currently my responsibility is to um, deliver the long-term strategy and vision and ambition for the RGBA company. We want to be the most consumer-inspired, progressive beer company in the U.S. And, um, and I look at every single function from, obviously, marketing, which continues to be the lighthouse of the company, the direction where we want to land from a consumer uh, perspective, but also sales, chains, and distributors. We sell through 400 distributors across the U.S. We are in all major chains like Walmart, Kroger, Albertsons, Target across the states, also on-premise accounts, bars and restaurants, and also supply, finance, HR, corporate affairs to deliver the fiscal results. So in a nutshell, long-term strategy and deliver the short-term because that polarity is what excites me, you know, live in the present and prepare for the future. I love that. And yes, and when we did your CMO moves, Many, many moons ago, we talked uh, a lot about how your background at Unilever really prepared you for that role. So we're going to come back and talk about that in just a bit. But Kevin, how about you? Let's hear about your current role and what you're thinking about. Yeah. So my responsibility is I'm the uh, U.S. president of uh, KFC and Pizza Hut brands. That's about 10,000 restaurants here in the U.S. We do about $10 billion of retail sales. And then obviously my company, Yum Brands, makes a royalty on those sales. So you know, my job is to set the, the strategy and the vision of how we're going to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace, you know, sustainable, profitable growth for our franchise partners, and obviously sustainable, profitable growth for the young brands. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but there's nothing better that goes with uh, pizza and chicken than beer. So <laughs> this is a pretty good match. Actually, let me apologize to my Pepsi partner. Pepsi products go great with pizza and uh, chicken too, but uh, beer is a close second. There's a lot of nice occasions. Or for Pepsi and Guinness or Smirnoff to live happily together, right? So, uh, and, and there's a lot of even combinations like Pepsi with some spirits sometimes is also a good. Uh, That's a good right. Yeah. Interestingly, Kevin, just like Nuno, has attributed a lot of his career kind of boot camp training from Unilever. I bet you would probably have similar stories from PNG. I spent 17 years at Procter & Gamble. First few years was in finance, actually, and then the remainder was in traditional marketing. So I worked on mostly beauty and grooming brands like Venus Razors or like Old Spice deodorants, Ivory Soap. You can pretty much ask me about any kind of personal grooming product, and I can tell you the ins and outs and insights of how they work. 
Uh, I will say the, the probably the number one job that I had at P&G that really prepared me for this role was an, a non-traditional marketing job. It was on the Walmart customer team in Arkansas, where we basically supported a sales team in helping you know grow our mutual business with Procter & Gamble and Walmart, which is a very large business. And you know, there's so many things that you learn in non-traditional assignments that really can separate both your skill set and your results from your peer set. You know, a couple of things. One, every senior leader at P&G come and visit you know, the Walmart business because it's so big. And so you learn from all these disparate leaders. They're all like superheroes. They all have their superpowers and they're all completely different. And so you can kind of pick and choose who do I want to be like and what are the things I can make my own that are consistent with who I think I am. You learn about all these different businesses. So typically at P&G, you work on one or two businesses. And when you work on a customer team, you work on all the businesses and you start seeing the connections between oh, on laundry, this can apply to razors. And you're like, how does that work? And it, it really is very simple once you get deep into those businesses. And then the last thing you learn from Walmart, the customer, they have these incredible buyers. I mean, obviously they're one of the greatest companies in the world. They hire exceptionally smart and strategic people. And you learn a whole nother you know, lens of the business. We always talk about diverse lenses are critically important to having great results. And that's a great example where if I didn't have that experience, I would not be a fraction of the success I've had at KSC and at Pizza Hut. And you see that like in our industry, there's several P&G leaders that had customer team experience that have gone on to be exceptional CEOs. You have Brian Nickel at Chipotle and Rob Lynch at Papa John's. They all were traditional marketers at P&G, but also had that experience. I, I've never really talked to them about whether they, they reflect on that experience as much as I do, but I suspect it's really helped them in their business. I, I, I would agree that I suspect it has. And I know, Nuno, you, you've made similar comments about Unilever, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that would be an advice I'm giving every single time to the ones that are ending, starting business and are like, what is the right company to go and work for? And mm -hmm. having this CPG, fast-moving consumer good experience is great. As Kevin mentioned, it allows you at the fairly early stage of your life with 23 whatever years old to really be confronted with PL decisions. So how much can I grow? What should be the margin? How can I allocate marketing resources? How much goes into advertising, media, broadcasting the message? How much goes into creating the message? But also like going into the factories. I started in shampoo. So I had a, the shampoo portfolio to Europe. So going to the factory and trying to come up with better perfumes and better uh, packaging and do promotions um, and try to uh, make sure that the cost was actually in the range that financially would make sense, but also going, as Kevin mentioned, to big chains and trying to pitch for a new launch. And here, the thoughts of the category, is this helping me to grow the category or is just helping me to gain share? So you basically start having all these different pieces or cross-functional um, understanding, and it's not just like the consumer. That was always what I love to do, right? Was to see the ecosystem and understand the overall business context, and rather than just having a consumer metric, and therefore I'm so happy to land in this present role because this has always been in my sweet spot. I'm having flashbacks to my former life where I was a customer centricity consultant for many, many years in different capacities. I actually worked for Abbott at one point, Abbott Nutritionals, and I, I was on the Walmart team. So Kevin, I remember your crew, lots of them down there in Bentonville. 
And then Nuno, I mean, we talked about this before, but I spent a long time in Europe uh, serving Unilever as my main client when we were doing ECR work, efficient consumer response. If anybody remembers what that is, I'm dating myself. That was a pretty key movement. And that kind of goes to what you're talking about when you think about efficient consumer response is really moving at the time, it was 20 years ago. How do we move the consumer perspective internally from a push to a pull strategy? That includes everything from demand to supply to enabling technologies. And you as a marketer, if you're not up to speed on which levers to throw, you're not going to have the pull. You're just going to have the push. So let's talk about your past for a moment, because you, you talked about these great experiences at both Unilever and P&G, but really you both went on to other things and then became CMOs. Kevin, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your journey getting to the role that you're in today. Yeah, I always thought I'd retire from P&G. It's an exceptional company and basically raised me from the age of 21. And this opportunity to turn around an iconic brand in Kentucky Fried Chicken that really had a lot of opportunity and runway based on prior years of the business not doing as well as it could be. That was very exciting to me, doing things that like people don't think is possible and it's important to people. Everybody's got a story of Kentucky Fried Chicken and what it meant to them at a younger age and you know, a lot of times you hear, they see a badge on my shirt when I'm traveling and they'll say, oh, I haven't had Kentucky Fried Chicken in forever, but they always have a great story about it. It's never some terrible story. And then we have Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's always revolves around family or church or something that's really meaningful to them. And so I just thought it would be the coolest thing to be a part of the renaissance um, of that business and to really bring it back in the forefront. And we have a long way to go. We've had seven years of growth, which is awesome, but there's so much more runway in making this a modern brand that's relevant to people's lives. That's pretty much what attracted me to it. Everything at P&G that I, I, if I, you know, look back on the things that I was really excited and proud of were things that like were unconventional and um, really created new out of nothing. And to me, I saw a very similar challenge, but on a much bigger stage with huge budgets and an important brand that still $4 billion worth of sales. So I jumped at the chance and it's been very exciting. Things don't go exactly as planned, but if I look back in the seven years of the resurgence of the brand and what it's also influenced globally for Kentucky Fried Chicken, before the pandemic, every seven hours, a new KFC is built. It's really a remarkable brand to be a part of, and I've been really fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. And Nuno, how about you, your journey? I, I went from one country to the other as from a very early stage of my career. So I started in Unilever in Portugal. I'm Portuguese. My wife, she's Portuguese. I have four daughters. My youngest one, she's Brazilian from the same wife. So we have been happily married for 22 years. So that drove a lot of decisions. So Unilever took me to uh, France to be responsible for Europe, for the, the hair care category. Then I came back to Portugal to get married. Then I had a period that I wanted to be entrepreneur. So I had my own company. I, I understood very clearly the notion of cash flow. <laughs> if you don't sell, you don't have money to pay employees. So I, I remember from those days how difficult it is to manage cash and average working capital in potentially the, I was in a startup that never started, was a mobile phone company. I learned a lot, but so yeah, I regretted living in Unilever, but at the same time, it gave me a lot of other experiences. And then the Unilever president went to a beer company and he hired me uh, back and he hired a lot of other Unilever colleagues. So at a certain point, and that company was Dutch as well. 
as Unilever, which is Heineken. So at a certain point, I was in a Dutch company with a lot of ex-Unilever colleagues and doing very similar marketing. And that was basically my start as CMO in Europe and then CMO in Brazil, CMO in the US. And then um, Diageo came with this great opportunity to lead the Diageo Beer Company, which is an awesome company, great brands, Guinness, Smirnoff. We have been growing double digits in the last three years. So gaining share and building Guinness uh, to the future, building Smirnoff and the rest of the portfolio. So I'm very proud and thankful for having this opportunity. You know, and what's amazing, I have to just give a little fun fact about Portugal because I love Portugal and I love the culture. I love the wine. I love the cheese. I love everything about Portugal. But when you mentioned you got married and your wife is Portuguese, one thing I had to learn very quickly is in Portugal, people's names are not just first and last names. They're like eight names because you keep tacking on every time you get married, right? Is that right? That's absolutely right. And also the first name, all my daughters are called Maria as a first name in devotion of the Holy Mary. So it's Maria Madalena, Maria only, Maria Teresa, and Maria Inez. Imagine going through customs with four <laughs> daughters, all called Maria's, like they I drive <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I love that. We're gonna have another show just about that because that is so fun. Um, but yeah, okay, now you guys both went through the CMO role and now you're leading CMOs. Another fun fact, you guys share a CMO in common. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Because I just learned that today. Who wants to go first on that one? Yeah, we are both fortunate to have worked with Jay Setti. He's currently the CMO of uh, the IGB company. But Kevin, you have a lot to say about him as well, right? Well, he's an exceptional talent. and He can survive anything. He survived working for me and my wife. So he's probably <laughs> the only person in this world who's been able to do that. But yeah, Jay's an exceptional leader. You're really lucky to have him at the Agio and... If you ever get tired of them, send them over to you. No, not at all. <laughs> Jay is probably sitting on the edge of his seat right now, wondering what you two are talking about. So <laughs> he'll get to see firsthand, but it sounds like he has nothing to be nervous about. So that's good. Um, so, okay. So what's it like then as a president leading whole teams that include CMOs? Do you get the itch to want to jump in? How's that work? The two things that I focus on and coaching my CMOs on both the brands, one is most of what you learn in marketing and being a you know CMO, you learn from experience. It's not like you're going to read it in a textbook or is I can spend you know hours and hours and hours with them trying to explain these things, but a lot of it they learn on their own. And so I try to spend the majority of my time talking about some of the mistakes that I made. And some of the things that I learned as a CMO, so they don't have to relearn them, so they can just build on that learning and create their own new experiences. I, I find that to be a, a, a really an accelerator. So like one of the things I joke about with the chief brand officer and chief marketing officer of Pizza Hut now, I brought over from KSC and they've had incredible success their first year, like remarkable success that nobody thought possible. And we always joke about all these mistakes that we all made together on KSC, we don't have to make again because we already done it, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes the learning curve on that business, this new business and turning that business around, it made it a lot easier to be honest with you, because we, we've already made those mistakes. So we don't have to make them again. The second thing I try to really coach my CMOs on is just having more empathy for the other functions. So one of our old CEOs that used to talk about, you can't eat a slide, right? So it doesn't matter how good something looks like in the boardroom, if you can't make it in 10,000 restaurants and do it consistently, it's not going to work and market. And 
one of the most important things the CMOs can do is actually work in the stores and understand how challenging it is with, especially during busy times with lots of customers on how to make something that's consistent, hot, fresh, and available. And once they go through those experiences, they have a much better understanding of how to design products and promotions and um, the nuances of something that takes a lot of labor and time versus something that's really easy to serve. And when is it worth it to, you know, go that extra mile for that extra special product? You know, those two things I think are, is where I try to spend the bulk of my time because I look back at my time as a CMO, I wish someone had done that for me. And, and I think if you ever have them on your show and talk to them, I think they would tell you that they appreciate those two areas. Sounds like good future guests along with Jay. How about you, Nuno? How are you approaching your role with Jay? Yeah, indeed. So Kevin, I, I think it's spot on what you said. It's not to repeat because I fully endorse everything you said. It's, I would also give another perspective, like a CMO going into a president role. You know, the first temptation is to be too much into the, the, the CMO role. So I said, listen, I'm going to spend a lot of time with other functions and I'm going to give that freedom to the CMO um, in, of the IGB company. So that is one thing that I tried to resist the temptation of getting into the, the details of the marketing function. Also giving the space for setting the long-term strategy from a portfolio standpoint. Twice a year, we meet with chains. We talk about what's going to be the priorities for the year. And it's a lot of work with innovation in terms of understanding where the consumer is going and to be ahead of the competitors, exploring those opportunities. So give a lot of time and freedom for the marketers to come with those strategies that all the rest of the execs will follow. So, you know, allow the space, allow the people to feel good in their role and to influence all the other functions because then sales follow supply will follow with the right uh, setup of supply capacity and then we deliver the year's performance in the best in the best possible way so i'm trying to be more like the enabler of the marketers to feel empowered and free to then set the direction and then to coordinate with the other functions that that direction that ambition gets implemented uh, mm -hmm. that's that's what i try to do more and more Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. 
Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps, to connected TV and off-site media across web and social, to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. I love that. And I remember, you know, when we um, had you on CMO Moves a long time ago, uh, I had asked you about how you perceive the role of the CMO and, and you used a term that I've never forgotten. You said the CMO is the lighthouse and we were actually talking about culture at the time, but let's talk about the business of marketing. So if they are the lighthouse, how can CMOs really demonstrate their credibility in driving growth for the business where the other C-suite counterparts can truly understand their efforts and, and how it's helped to grow the business. Nobody can trump your perspective if you understand the customer better than anybody else in the room. So one of the pieces of counsel I would have for any CMO is don't forget about the business of marketing, which is who, what, how, who are you marketing to? What do you need to say to them to get them to change their behavior? And how are you going to do it the most efficient, effective way possible? And if you understand your customer and really walk in their shoes and understand how they make decisions and what are their challenges and how do you have empathy for the customer and then deliver on that? You're going to win and you're going to be in that you know, boardroom, whether it's with franchisees or with your you know, executive leadership and your CEO of the company or whomever. And as long as you know the most about the customer, it's going to be very hard to get challenged, especially if your plans you know, really ladder up to those things that they need. So you know, my encouragement would be, especially if you've lost your way or you're in a turnaround situation, just go back to the customer understand what you need to go do and then demonstrate to the organization in really simple terms. This is what our customer needs and this is where we need to go. I think you do that. It, it, you know, you really can drive the agenda of the organization and the business and eventually you'll start being viewed as the president one day. So uh, that'd be my advice as customer's boss. Yeah, no, absolutely, Kevin. It's the fruit is in the, in the root, right? So you hear that a lot going back to the roots of the, the consumer behavior. I would just add, the magic also to bring those insights into very concrete initiatives with agility and flexibility, right? So that will drive growth. In the situation of Guinness, for instance, we were impacted by the pandemic during the St. Patrick's period. So everyone was like, everything was done. And the marketing there, they were critical to shift all the campaigns. So we have a a, a campaign about like enjoy a Guinness out there in your pub, restaurant, bar. And then we have all the bars closing, all the restaurants closing, our brewery down in Baltimore. So, and the marketers, the, the Guinness team in less than two weeks, they redone the, the campaign and they came with like, we will march again. You know, there are no parades, but we will march again. And then they followed, we will toast again. So it's like a sequence of events. So it went well beyond just marketing. It was more like bringing the company into a positive mindset 
control what you can control. So I think nowadays it's like long-term planning, consumer understanding, but also having this agility. You know, Smirnoff Ice was the same. We had a 4th of July campaign already with this beautiful seltzer that you transform into the American flag colors. And then suddenly we could not be together during the 4th of July. So changing the campaign again, I think the resilience of the marketing team ended up to be that lighthouse for all the others to see there's always hope. There's always a way to make things better. There's always a way to grow. Even we are, even if we are confronted with a bad reality. Yeah, I mean, it's a great example because like if you think about was it end of March, early April, and we didn't really know much about this virus. Like people were like, you know, running into the grocery store for five seconds and running out and then sanitizing all the food when they got home with Clorox wipes and people were really scared. And when it came down to it, when you said, well, what are you going to do from a marketing standpoint? Because it does blow up your plans. Like people are not mobile. They're not going into work. Traffic patterns change. They're not having, you know, the lunch day part just goes to zero. The dinner day part, you know, skyrockets. And like, what do you do? And if you go back to the customer and what they need and really address that and be flexible, you know, and agile the way Nuno talked about, you can win. Like, so for us, it was the customer wanted to know that they were going to be safe. They came to our restaurants to get food. They prefer not to leave their home. So delivery was exploding with digital. But if they had to leave their home because it's a little bit more expensive, they didn't want to go inside a restaurant. So we had to get our drive throughs going real fast and make it real simple to be able to order and get your food. And then the last thing is a lot of restaurants were closed. Just saying, hey, we're open and we're safe was a really good message versus the things that we might have had been planning and had made advertising for and didn't want to let go of. So we quickly, you know, two weeks too, we pivoted, got those messages out and the business really responded in April and May and we never looked back. But to me, that's a real, it's a lesson of if you actually started with the customer and listened to what they needed and just delivered on that, you're going to win. And that's exactly what happened. We had a real head start versus a lot of our competitors based on some of those changes that we made. And we've definitely been growing disproportionate share throughout the pandemic because of those changes that we made. You know, another example on Pizza Hut was people didn't want to go inside the restaurants. And so we stood up curbside carryout in three weeks. We were the first national chain to get that up and running and, and drive it. And we've had exceptional growth behind that channel. So once again, at agility and meeting customer needs, and that's going to give you that lighthouse that Nuno was talking about that's going to lead you out of sticky situations like the pandemic and what it did to our businesses. And I love this concept of the lighthouse, and which is why I've remembered it for so many years now. When we were talking about it, Nuno, it was in the context of leading the internal culture because I think that has never been more important than the last year as the role of marketing, like you said, providing guidance as to where the brand is going, but also very often the customers outside or the employees inside. And how do you help employees who are distressed and what are the communications to them? And that is grounded in the business, right? I, I just had Tim Mapes on from Delta and I think they're pretty famous for how they take care of their employees um, because they firmly believe if an employee can't come to work 100% of themselves and feel good about it, that's the same person that's gonna talk to the customer um, so the customer's not going to get 100% of the service that they are intended to get. So how do you guys feel about the role of CMO when it comes to culture internally? It's critical, right? Because it's where, and what I said during that podcast in terms of the lighthouse, it's what you do with your brands is touches every single employee, right? So the way you look at those difficulties, the resilience you show, 
it will impact the culture, right? And with a strong culture, we will survive and we will win, share, and we are going to be the, the best in the industry. So the marketers are responsible as much as all the others to, to start and ignite. But I think those examples like the Give Back America, which was one initiative we did with Guinness, let's help the community. So the culture um, also depends on what are we actually doing, right? More than what we just think. And being able to give $20 million back to the on-permers so that we would support the industry uh, while they need to close a restaurant or a bar through a Guinness or any of our other brands is also a sign of we are close to the communities. We started making bread in Baltimore as a way to show that we are close to the community. So we, we use the Guinness yeast and we, we make bread to give to the food bank in Maryland. So those are like great examples that go beyond marketing and just show that we care about our people and mental health and, and well-being. So to be really close to us, what is our unique purpose? And marketing can also help a lot bringing those conversations. I was saying to Kevin, RJ helped with shaping the culture, bringing that diversity and inclusion perspective into our exec group, opening conversations that were potentially difficult about our own individual purpose. And now we can help each other going through this difficult um, uh, phase. So just a couple of examples, our marketers are really critical to shape the culture of a company. Yeah, I, I think the pandemic created an opportunity for CMOs to more directly see how they can make a big impact on culture. So on both brands, the CMOs really stepped up to really you know, make a big imprint on what our culture is. So Pizza, that's a great example, was I had gotten a, a letter from a franchisee in Washington State when one of his restaurant managers wrote a poem to his team to get him fired up. This is like in April when people didn't know what was going on and people were really scared. And he had been in the pizza business for 30 years for Pizza Hut. And he talked about how we weren't just delivering pizzas. We were delivering just a little bit of normalcy during this really crazy time. And I read it to our entire organization because I was so inspired by it. And our CMO took that letter and gave it to our ad agency who actually wrote an ad in this restaurant manager voiced over the ad. And we ran it and the whole system really galvanized around it. And we have 100,000 Pizza Hut employees and they're fired up about this thing. Someone created a Facebook group called Pizza Hut Proud that now has thousands of people where we're sharing stories about how we're helping customers, helping the communities that we operate in. Um, we replicated something similar on KFC. It's just been exceptional. And that's like an example where I think CMOs know their purpose of like, I got to design new products and I have to you know, do the brand positioning and create the advertising. But so much of this is it's so important is really just galvanizing the spirit and the soul of our organization and why we exist and making sure people have an outlet to and are encouraged to do those things. You know, on KFC, it was clearly an opportunity to help give back to um, the first responders and food banks that were having trouble. And, and, and the CMO there you know, stepped up and created a program where we're going to give away a million pieces of chicken in, across all the communities that we operate in. And it allowed the restaurant teams to deliver more than just like selling chicken because they could they literally had the leeway to go wherever they wanted to do in the community whether it's a hospital or a, a testing center that needed food for volunteers and just come and deliver joy in the, in the form of uh, fried chicken meals and and that was exceptionally um, successful we ended up replicating it for teachers which are also frontline workers and back to school timing and did a million pieces of chicken for them I think that's so powerful what our CMOs can do internally and with our stakeholders. And I think a pandemic like this 
opens their eyes up of how much of a broader impact they can make. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm so glad to see this as a benefit that came from last year where the discussion around the CMO, the role of the CMO has always been a hot discussion, but 84% of CMOs do agree that their role elevated last year. And now's the time to really explore new paths and hence the business and marketing to help them figure out where they can go. So I could continue to talk to you guys all day, but we are almost out of time here and I don't want to skip my last three questions. So let's do this lightning round, shall we? I'm going to ask you a question and then just a short sentence and we're going to keep on going. How's that sound? Okay. Okay, cool. What excites you most about the future? Kevin. Uh, I'm excited to get back to normalcy, to be honest with you. So uh, I want to get back to traveling. I want to get back to visiting stores and the teams that are making things happen. And I'm excited to you know see my family again and have Thanksgiving and Christmas together. And so I'm super excited about getting back to some normalcy. Great. Nuno. Go back to the bar and have a high quality Guinness. I have my, my bar at home, which we spend a lot of time, but I want to go back to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that for sure. Okay, what new innovation exists that helps you lead your teams to success? Nuno, why don't you take this one first? A lot of innovations uh, in the convenience. Consumers are more and more into drinking ready-to-drink spirit-based products or uh, seltzers or flavorable beverage. So things like this Smirnoff sales, this excites me going into the future. Great innovation, great space. Awesome, Kevin. Nobody's gonna wanna hear this answer, but it's Zoomer teams. I mean, because I know we're all sick of video conferencing and I am too, but you know, some of this is gonna be here to stay just because it's so much more productive. A great example is typically we'll do a market visit with the KFC CEO where he'll fly in and we'll do like two or three days of doing a bunch of things. We can do all that in one day. We can have an hour and a half meeting in a conference room talking about the business. Then we can fly over to a virtual restaurant tour with the restaurant manager there. Then we can fly over and do a restaurant uh, round table with uh, restaurant general managers all around the country. And then we're, lastly, we're going to go visit the new store in Corbin, Kentucky that's been remodeled where the, where the colonel invented his secret recipe and we're now going to make it into a museum. That would have been a three-day trip and we're going to do that in basically five hours which is going to be incredibly productive. I think you're going to see more productivity than you've ever seen. And nobody wants to hear it because everybody's sick of Zoom and Teams, but it's here to stay. Yeah, I agree. Okay, my last question. And because this is not CMO Moves, I had to come up with a new one. And this is a tough one. Okay. So if someone wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? For me, it would definitely be just being of service to others. I mean, I just... I get that from my mom. I get excited about it. I love uh, wowing my stakeholders. I love seeing peers get promoted. Like these are things that like, that's why I do this. That's why probably why I like the restaurant hospitality business so much. So as long as I have that North Star in front of me, I'm going to be excited about what I'm doing. Right. You know. For me, it's my personal purpose to spark positivity around me and uh, embrace the future with humanity. So it's a uh, positivity and building the future, but doing it in a very human way. That's my purpose. And I wish I will be, you know, remember for, for that. <laughs> I, I remember that is actually in your signature, right? Yeah. What, what does it say in your signature? Lead with humanity. So, Lead with humanity. Yeah. That is a beautiful way to close this out. And gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on the business of marketing. This has been a true treat to chat with you both today. Thank you, Nadine.
And Nuno, it's great to meet you. Say hi to Jay for me. I will, I will, Kevin. And it was a great conversation. <laughs> thanks for all your insights and thanks, Nadine. Absolutely. Thank you. We do hope you will enjoy the business of marketing and we invite you to send us your comments and feedback either through your reviews on Apple, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, or feel free to send us an email directly at insidethebrand at adweek.com. And I wanted to give another special shout out to our partner SAP for helping us bring this new show to life. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media, meaningful connections. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.